folks. Welcome into Free Money Football. I'm your host here, Ty B. We got Meerkat and some guy named Steve joining me. I see Meerkat enjoying some of those new Labatt Light Seltzers. Shout out to QB1 Josh Allen. But we're not looking at the AFC East. We already did that. You can go check that one out over on our YouTube over there. But today we're looking at the AFC and NFC South divisions. Two divisions that are absolutely mired in a ton of question marks. Not only because of the Carson Wentz injuries, but just because of the talent levels with these teams. A lot of transitions, especially uh, with the quarterback position, and a lot of question marks at the quarterback position. And one team that has a ton of them here is the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson. Nobody knows if he's going to be playing at all this year. And they've added, you know, a ton of new guys into this roster. A big turnover. How are things going to play out for them? Offseason, they traded for Shaq Lawson, trading for Narjic McKinney, added Marcus Cannon to help shore up that line in a trade as well. Signed Tyrod Taylor and draft David Mills amid all the Deshaun Watson allegations. And we won't really get into that. I'm just moving forward with the assumption that Deshaun Watson's not going to be playing in the NFL this year, full fantasy purposes and gambling purposes when I look at the Texans. And when you look at the Texans with or without Deshaun Watson, they're probably the worst constructed roster in this league. They should be getting ready to enter a full-blown rebuild. And, you know, they didn't have many draft picks this year. Didn't make any impactful picks. I do like Brevin Jordan. Nico Collins is all right because they don't have any receivers. I mean, sure, we all love Brandon Cooks. He's consistent. But adding Nico Collins, trading away Randall Cobb, it just doesn't make sense for this team. Bill O'Brien left them in shambles. And, you know, how do they replace the leadership of Bill O'Brien? With Dave Coley, the wide receiver coach from the Baltimore Ravens, which the Baltimore receivers last year were one of the worst receiver units in the NFL, least productive, dropping a lot of holes, not, you know, a proven track record of really developing guys the right way. So another head-scratching move by that organization. Who knows what's really going to happen with them this year. Tyrod Taylor should be the starter heading into the season. Does he have the things around him for, you know, get some success? go over their total wins, which is set at four over under right now, like he did in Buffalo a couple of times. No, he just doesn't have the help. In my opinion, I'm taking their under on that. They have no depth. They don't have any legitimate playmakers on defense and they have the third hardest schedule this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the, the biggest question mark is Deshaun Watson, obviously. And they, they were pretty successful when Deshaun Watson was throwing the ball last year. And when he wasn't, Eh, not so much. So without him, what are you going to do, especially losing uh, some key pieces there with some of his weapons? Um, I don't know what they're going to do. And that's why that over-under sitting between four, four and a half, down to four right now, because I think most people are expecting Deshaun not to be playing. And that's why I'm going to be on the under here. I don't think they're a good team. Last season, they were uh, the oldest, had the oldest roster in all of the NFL and probably the worst. And um, I don't think things have gotten that much better. It's going to take a while. Like you said, they only had five draft picks, and I don't think any of them were in the uh, the top three rounds of the draft. So it's going to be tough to rebuild. You're going to have to throw a lot of money at veterans and you're still just getting, making your roster even older. Steve, what are you seeing on this one? Um, where are you on that win total and what, what props are you to, or, uh, looking at on this one? So this is probably my least favorite of all the teams we're going to talk today in terms of win total, just because the unknown with Deshaun Watson, if he plays, he can easily get to this win total just by carrying the team on his back. Like he's been doing his whole career 
and I think he may play it maybe later on in the year, but I think there is a chance he plays, and that's why I'm going to take the over. It's really hard in the NFL to be consistently horrible, right? And 4-13 and is a bad season. The Texans were bad last year. I think you, it's the NFL. You can squeak out a few wins. At the end of the day, these guys are all professionals. I'm going to take the over four. I absolutely hate it, but I think Watson will play at some point this year. And their schedule, it's hard, but they have winnable games. You play the Jaguars twice. You play the Panthers. You play the Jets. You play the Patriots. There are wins out there to be had, especially if Watson plays. And that's why my prop is kind of hoping Watson plays as well, because I'm taking Brandon Cooks over 895 and a half receiving yards. He's the number one receiver on this team. And whether this team is bad or not, Brandon Cooks will get the targets. He'll get the yards. He's competing with Kiki Kuti, Anthony Miller, Andre Roberts. I mean, it's Brandon Cooks is the number one target. He's going to get the amount of targets a number one receiver should get. And he's only been under 1,100 yards once in the past six seasons. I think it's a free money lock. I hate the win total. I'm taking the over. But I love the Brandon Cooks receiving prop. Yeah, we were talking pre-show. I like that Cooks prop as well, but I decided to go a different option. You know, some of these teams we're going to talk about today, Texans here, and then the Colts will get into it, are limited on props right now for players. Texans don't have any running backs or quarterbacks with props currently because of all the question marks surrounding the team. So it makes sense. you got to reach different places. And I'm reaching to Zach Cunningham, over 150 and a half tackles this season. Cunningham is the absolute leader of that defense entering his fifth season. He's been a tackle machine since he's been in the league. Two years ago, he put up 142. Last year, he led the NFL with 164. And that was with Tyrell Adams getting 105, 125 tackles next to him. Shout out to the Texans, by the way. Thanks for letting him go. I like him for the Bills this year. But other than that, the, the Texans defense is going to be on the field a lot this year. A lot. They're a bad offense, a bad team overall. And so they're going to let a big play. Zach Cunningham mm-hmm. plays all over the field. I think he's going to be involved in most of those tackles. So I like this prop a lot because, like I said, they got rid of Adams. And who they replace him with? Christian Kirksey, who used to be a high tackle guy, but the past three years he's dealt with injuries. Last year just didn't look the same, getting a little old. So I don't see him taking too many uh, reps from Cunningham. Meerkat, love that. Going a little off the board on the defensive side with that one. But next, we got to move on to a team that has a ton of storylines right now. What's going to happen at the quarterback position? You trade and you go get Carson Wentz, Stevie, but he's gone down with a foot injury, and so has Quentin Nelson. Looks like both of them are going to be missing at least the first few weeks of the season. It's going to put the Colts in a bad position. How are you breaking this one down? Well, that's the big thing, right? Uh, the Colts were a lot of people's sleeper team to make a run in the AFC when they heard the signing of Carson Wentz, getting an offensive line, getting help around him. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, a three-headed, you know, monster for the backfield. And all of a sudden now Carson Wentz is hurt and the quarterback is a big question mark. There's a lot of ways they could go. They, I mean, they could sign a free agent, which in my mind, I don't really love it. But what are you going to do at this point if you're the Colts? It, it, it comes down to, do you want to turn into a run first team? Because last year Rivers wasn't great, but he was effective enough to keep them in games. And that's really what the Colts need when you have guys, you know, who are, could be the quarterback. You got Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, and like I said, a potential free agent. Could Nick Foles come in and steal Carson Wentz's job again? Who knows? But the thing is with the Colts, 
it's going to come down to running the ball and hoping their defense can carry them because I am not sold on their receiving core. Yes, this year it's healthy. You got a healthy T.Y. Hilton. You got Perry Campbell, and then you got uh, Michael Pittman Jr. On paper, it looks good. Last year they combined for under uh, 1,400 receiving yards. It's not a lot of snaps out of the young guys, and it's hard to really get into a chemistry when you don't know who the quarterback's going to be week one. The Colts are one of those teams I was fading before the injury, and I'm going to continue to fade them. I like the under nine here. I'm not sold on the Colts team. I do like their coach. I like Frank Reich. I think he's a good coach. And they did add, you know, a couple guys to the defensive line, Quiddy Payne, Adayo Agadabayo. But the thing is, they also lost Justin Houston, who was their most effective pass rusher last year. The Colts have a lot of spots that they need to fill from last year on both sides now because of the injuries. And Quentin Nelson is, in my mind, a top two, top three offensive lineman in the entire league. That's going to hurt everything down the line. And when you have a potential rookie quarterback or a quarterback who's never started behind it, I don't love it. The Colts were a team I wasn't in love with to begin with, and now I'm staying far away from them. I'm taking the under nine. Yeah, we see their uh, key numbers there. You're looking at Phillip Rivers' passing performances. He was more efficient than league average on all three downs, and those numbers right above it, 199 out of 337, 1,900 passing yards, nine tutties to 13 interceptions. That's the career numbers of all the quarterbacks left on the roster behind Carson Wentz, and that comes from all one person, Brett Hundley. I do not trust Brett Hundley. I do not trust Jacob Eason. I do not trust Sam Ellinger. I don't know what the Colts are going to do. They're going to have to figure something out here at the quarterback position. If they go with Brett Hundley, oh, Lord, I'm hammering this under. Um, Meerkat, I don't know about you, but I think I'm I'm riding with the under on this one. I just I don't see how they get the over. I love what Frank Reich does as a coach. He gets early leads and he he carries those leads. You, you know, it's an 80 percent chance of winning the game if you go into it with a halftime lead. And I don't even think they're going to be able to put up points this year, Meerkat. So I feel crazy saying this. I'm taking the over. I still like wow. how this Colts roster is constructed. I did like them a lot with Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz was great under Frank Reich, so I thought he'd have a, you know, kind of a resurgence, a rebirth there. But getting hurt sucks for him. But, you know, today's news that Quentin Nelson has a chance to be back for week one is huge for that team. They have a three-headed monster in the backfield. They have some pretty QB-friendly receivers there. So if Jacob Eason comes in, who – they were planning to be the future uh, before they made the Wentz trade. And if he comes in and is competent, you know, eight weeks, say, for Wentz to get back, so I think the timetable is 6-12. to 12. Um, They have the easiest NFL schedule this year overall, but the first eight weeks of the season for them are the hardest, one of the hardest stretches in the NFL all season. So if you can just survive those eight weeks, come back with Carson Wentz back in this offense for the second half of the season against an easy-peasy schedule, I think the Colts can break nine pretty easily. I like their defense still. And then I know you guys didn't have props for this one because 
it was barren. I think this is the only player with props right now. So we'll get into that in another show before the end of the season when stuff's updated. But I'm taking Darius Leonard over 152 and a half tackles. He crushed this number his rookie year. Another guy who's just the leader of his defense mm-hmm. absolutely eats up players. Past two years, he's had 121 and 132. But that's with missing games. He takes yeah. that over an entire season. He breaks this over again. So I like him if he stays healthy this year, which we hope. I'm going for that. Yeah, especially adding a game and more than likely them being in some sort of a playoff race or like not being, you know, at a a spot where they're they're resting guys. So I think I I really like that pick there, Meerkat. And let's hop over to the team that had the number one pick. And that's why uh, we're going to go to me here at TIA, (laughs) Bankfield, in the pool. Imagine it, week two, you're in the pool, you're watching the game. Who's in at quarterback? It's the mustache man, Gardner Minshew, and I'm going to sell you on him on this one for the boys. Um, when you're looking at what Gardner Minshew did over the past few seasons, he has not been bad. He's been better than average. He's been an above-average quarterback, especially when he's passing on early downs, and he just hasn't been set up to win. He Number one, doesn't have the best weapons. He's getting some improved weapons now here, but he hasn't been put in those situations to win. Um, he's been a very good on first down over um, a, he had an over seven yards per attempt on first down passes. If you're getting that close to the sticks on first down on a regular basis, sign me up for that. He's very efficient in 2019, but they actually decided to run the ball more on first down last year rather than more. And it was the same thing with play actions. Um, he was very good play actions in 2019, but they do in 2020 under Jake Rudin. They ran even less of it. I think it was the third lowest or second lowest rate in 2020. The league average was is a little over 33%, and they were somewhere under 20%, which was their number in 2019, went down in 2020. So instead of finding these plays and these situations where your quarterback was succeeding, you were doing the exact opposite and what do you do you fire the whole coaching staff you're having um, a whole new thing and look at Gardner Minshew's situation Um, as a sixth round pick at quarterback he came in pretty much you know the third fourth guy on the depth chart not getting a ton of reps in the offseason Nick Foles goes down before week one with a broken collarbone you're thrown in to that starting job and he figured things out pretty quickly and has had pretty good success. And then the next offseason, his offensive coordinator fired. You go out, you get Jake Rudin, COVID offseason. You're learning a whole new offense, and he still did pretty well, still put up decent numbers. And hopefully this offensive line can figure things out and keep whoever is the quarterback upright because they're the most expensive offensive line in the NFL, and they're pretty much all returning from last season. So if everyone stays healthy, you got to be able to keep the quarterback up. You got Andrew Norwell, you got Cam Robinson, you got some good guys that are on the offensive line. So as long as you know Travis Etienne, you know steps in, I think he adds adds a whole bunch of versatility along with James Robinson because I think Etienne can do a lot in the passing game as well and make things easier for whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Gardner Minshew and. They have an easy schedule. They got the fourth easiest schedule based on the 2020 record. So I think this team could be sneaky better um, than people are thinking just because of the guys they add. But we'll see. You got DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones as your lead receivers. That's not too bad if LaVisca can continue to take a step forward. DJ Chark took a little bit of a step back last year, but I still like his upside, uh, Meerkat. This is a sneaky team, but I do think – Gardner Minshew is going to be the starter in week one. The team has been 
bad, bad, bad since um, Khan bought this team uh, in the, uh, I think it was the very end of 2012. So th- he's been the owner since the start of the 2013 season. Um, and 39 and 105, the worst record in the NFL. Can they continue or start this bounce back under Urban Meyer? So first year, you know, in after their rebuild, whatever you want to call it, that they're going through, I, I think they're going to see a little bit of improvement, and that's solely because of Trevor Lawrence whenever he gets on our center for them this season. With this offensive round, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to succeed his rookie year, but I'm still taking the under on wins because I have no faith in Urban Meyer. All the moves he's made so far have been awful ones. You're, you know – overdrafting Travis Etienne, even though you have James Robinson saying you're going to play him a receiver. You're hiring your buddy who's a coach who is a dickhead and should have never been hired. Uh, you're taking Tim Tebow, and it's sounding like you're going to give him a roster spot. Just all these moves. I have no faith in him. I never have. So am I being a bit biased? Probably. But their defense is a mix of just trash and some good young talent, but I don't trust them to be organized well enough. So I'm taking the under on this. I don't think they're five wins better than last year, although they will be better. And I think Trevor Lawrence does have success. I just don't see them winning more than like five. Yeah, Mercat, I'm with you on the under. I think Urban Meyer, he's phenomenal in college, but we've seen another guy who was phenomenal in college go to the NFL and fail with Nick Saban. And he is, you know, the cream of the crop when it comes to college coaches. I think Trevor Lawrence starts week one, tie. I don't want to fade you there, but I do think they drafted Lawrence first overall for a reason. And I personally love the weapons he has around him. I love DJ Chark. You know, he's a 6'4 athletic freak. You got LaVisca Chenault, who can be used as a running back, as a receiver in the slot outside. And then Marvin Jones, who's sneakily, you know, a quiet, very solid receiver year in, year out, which is why I'm taking the under six and a half, solely based on the Jaguars' defense. It hasn't shown me anything. It hasn't improved anything. Their pass rush has been miserable despite how young it is. But I'm taking the over 25-and-a-half passing touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence in his rookie season. I think if he starts week one, I don't think the Jaguars will take him out for the rest of the year unless he gets injured, obviously. And he's got the weapons around him to succeed, to you know throw a lot of touchdowns. And the Jaguars' defense is bad enough. They're going to be trailing in a lot of games. I love it. It's one and a half touchdowns per week. I'm taking the over 25 and a half touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going with the under. I don't think they fully are there yet just because of the same reasons with Urban Meyer. I don't know what this offense is going to look like. So without having being able to see, you know, being able to see it yet, seeing what they're going to try to do here, I don't think they're going to necessarily make the right adjustments to put their quarterback in the right situation to win right away. Hopefully they do learn and can make some adjustments for whatever quarterback to be successful, but I just don't see it off the jump. And that's why I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starter week one. So that's why I'm going the under on his passing yards. It's set at 4,050 yards. I'm going the under on that one. I think, you know, once he ends up starting, he could probably hit that average, which ends up being somewhere around 270 or something like that. Um, I think he can do that pretty easily with the weapons. I just don't think he's going to play enough games to get that done. I don't think there's a reason to rush him because I don't think you're making the playoffs. I don't. And you have a quarterback who's not that bad here. I think you let him play and you see what happens early on and when your team's just bad then bring Trevor Lawrence in and maybe, you know, week three, week four, week five, something like that, infuse some youth into that team. But we'll see what they do, boys. Yeah, 
sorry. No, you can finish no. up. I was just going to say, uh, I'm going for a prop there. Uh, I'm going with ETN under 650 rushing yards. I just don't trust Urban Meyer to use him effectively. Plus, you know, he's going to be used as a lot as a receiver. They have James Robinson, who is really good. And so how I see their offense playing out, if Urban Meyer's smart, which offensively he is, I guess. Um, <laughs> James Robinson will be their between-the-tackles guy, and ETN will be their outside-the-tackles guy, like he succeeded in college. When you look at the Jags' offensive line, they spent a ton of money on it. Interior is incredible. Their middle three, some of the best in the league. But with Cam Robinson and Juwan Taylor as their book on tackles right now, heading into the season, they ranked 64 and 66 in the run blocking last year out of 66 tackles. So I don't like Travis Etienne as a rusher that much as rookie season. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that angle there, Meerkat. But let's move on here. We got the Tennessee Titans, who are now the favorites to win this division, been sitting somewhere around um, plus 100, plus 105, plus 110, but they've jumped down to around minus 140 or so. Um, a team that lost a bunch of players on defense, especially at the cornerback position. You look at Malcolm Jenkins, um, Adoree Jackson, but you go and get Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden in the draft, uh, Janoris Jenkins in free agency. So you do uh, replace them, and that's what I'm going to be talking about here um, real quick with these key numbers is – you had the third most efficient offense and it's the sixth most expensive offense coming into 2021, very similar to their spending rate of last season. And their defense was the 29th most efficient and they're only spending the 30th most money on their defense this year. Um, so it's sort of a money in money out situation on their defense. Yes. You add some new uh, pass rushers uh, with Danico Autry and Bud Dupree, but you also lost some as well. So um, it's not like they improved their defense that much, but I do think with their offense being the third most efficient in the league. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, no Jonu Smith this year at the tight end position. That's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. But you do add Julio Jones, obviously, who is a big, big addition there at the wide receiver position. Um, it's very interesting when you look at the numbers since Ryan Tannehill has taken over as the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. They're 18-8 and eight in that span, which is sixth best in the NFL averaging 22.7 first downs, fifth most in the league, 30.6 points per game, which is third most in the league, 165 rushing yards per game, second in the league. Yes, even their rushing game has improved. You guys keep – a lot of people keep thinking, yeah, they're, they could run the ball either way. Like um, Henry's going to have a day either way. It doesn't matter about this passing. It doesn't matter about the quarterback. Yes, it does. He was not having this success until Ryan Tannehill took over because you can key in – on the run. You can overload the box. You're not putting yourself in the situation where, hey, what are they doing on first down? Are they going to run the ball? Are they going to pass the ball? Because their passing game has been so efficient on first down. And they're averaging 0.93 points per minute, which is actually the best in the NFL um, with their position or possession. Their defense just needs to figure things out. Very, very bad in money situations. That's why um, their efficiency was so bad. Um, and when you look at their numbers and total yardage and all that, not the worst, but 31st in the league in red zone de de defense and 32nd worst in the league on third down defense. That's not going to get it done when you're trying to make a run into the playoffs. Yes, um, when they played the Bills, it was the exact opposite. <laughs> they they were able to step up on all of those plays and in, in all of those situations. But throughout the season, that was not possible. Um, they were lost on third down and red zone. Their communication just seemed to not be there. Um, and 
I don't know if they're going to be able to figure that out. You know, a plus 11 turnover margin as well with that defense and still um, the numbers you saw. And plus 17 penalties on the year. Some of that is going to regress to the mean with the turnovers and those penalties. So if that flip-flops, who knows what that could really do for the Titans team if some of these um, you know, other teams in the South really take a big step forward. Stevie, how do you see this one with the Titans? So I think you touched on it a lot. The Titans are a team I think that's going to win solely based on their offense this year. And I actually really like the over nine. Just I think they're in one of the weakest divisions in football. I'm down on the Colts. I'm not that high on the Jags, and I'm down on the Texans. And Tannehill, he was a guy I doubted a lot when he was at Miami. I did not think he was very good. And classic Adam Gase kind of like covering up, you know, Tannehill leaves. Been great for the Titans so far. But the addition of Julio Jones is going to help this offense so much in my opinion you have arguably the best running back in football in Derrick Henry who can you know run into a loaded box and find a way for an 80-yard touchdown and A.J. Brown has turned into one of the best young receivers in the NFL but we're talking about Julio Jones here when healthy Julio Jones is a top three top four receiver in football and I think he could be the number one receiver in football if he's healthy Julio Jones is a mismatch to any defense and the Titans, they did lose a lot on defense. They lost Clowney. They lost Jackson. They lost Butler. But they're going to win games solely based on this mm-hmm. offense. And I think they win the division, which means they have to get to the number nine. And I think they'll hit the over pretty easily. And then my favorite prop probably of any prop so far that we've brought up on this show is Julio Jones over 995 and a half receiving yards. Meerkat and I talked about this before the show. There's no reason not to take this prop. It feels too easy, but I'm taking it anyways. He only had 771 yards last year, but that was in just nine games. That's 85 and a half yards a game. That comes out to 1,456 yards. And oh yeah, the six previous yards, he averaged 1,564 receiving yards per season. This guy is an absolute freak, and I think he's more talented than A.J. Brown. He's not being brought in to be a decoy. He's not being brought in to be a second option. He's the number one receiver in this offense when healthy, and Tannehill's going to absolutely love him when they run play action. I love the over 995.5 yards. It's at minus 120. I'm hammering that pick. So with the Titans for me, this is a really tough one because Ryan Tannehill has proved me wrong. I thought he was a bad quarterback going to Tennessee. He's a good quarterback. He really is. They have some playmakers with Julio, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. But outside of that, that offense is pretty barren. And then you look at the defense, one of the worst defenses in the league last year overall. They lost on the front seven, didn't improve it. Bud Dupree wasn't great last year, not really an effective pass rusher like he you know, kind of made out to be. And it's a young, promising secondary, so that's a bit of hope. But I just don't have faith in this team. I, I wish I could take a push right now. There's no, no draw bet on these because I think they're right at about nine wins. If you got to twist my arm, I'm going to say they're over nine just because the offense and their division, they might be able to score enough points with a 17-game season at 10 wins. Uh, but I really don't love taking that. And then, yeah, I'm on the same prop as Stevie there at the Julio over 995. Uh, he covered most of it. You know, Julio hasn't missed more than two games or gone under 1,394 yards since 2013. He's just a machine. And, yeah, he had Calvin Ridley at points last year, also being a focal point, taking pressure off for him. But I think, you know, A.J. Brown 
is going to be technically their number one guy because they love him and stuff. And Julio will be like the number two. And I think Brown might be more of a focal point opening things up for Julio. I think this number is disgraceful. So I'm hammering the over. Yeah, honestly, I think both receivers end up going over. I think we're going to see a ton of passing from Tannehill out of this offense because having Derrick Henry, it just offers you so many options on first down where teams are going to be on their heels the entire time. They don't know what's coming, and I think you're going to see a big output. I'm going with the A.J. Brown over 11.75 and a half receiving yards as well, Um, and I think they're getting over that nine win mark. I think it's just – I mean, nine and eight you're thinking about, and I think, you know, you're getting five or six wins in the division alone. So you got to find, you know, four or five wins elsewhere. I think they'll be able to get that done. And the last four years, Ty, they've hit nine every single year, nine, 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 and 11 wins. And now they're getting an extra game. The Titans always seem to be that team that overachieves. I think they can do it again. Yep, absolutely. And now it's time to hop into the AFC South, boys. The Atlanta Falcons, one of the teams that we just can't quit betting on. For whatever reason, nobody can figure them out. They had leads in 13 of their 16 games in 2020, but only had four wins. They had nine leads at half and only won four games. The win rate for the rest of the league is over 80% in those situations. I don't I don't know what the issue is here with the Falcons, but they completely forgot how to win games. And when you can't win games, I don't think you're going to figure it out here in the offseason with the additions they made. You lose Julio Jones in, in a trade, and your biggest addition um, at the receiver position is Cordero Patterson. Um, I'm obviously you bring in Kyle Pitts, which is going to be a, a nice, um, a nice weapon for Matt Ryan, but I think he's beginning to, to fade off in his career. And when you're looking at that receiver position, um, there's nobody really that scares me outside of Calvin Ridley. And when you're going to get pigeonholed like that, you have no real running game to speak of. The offensive line hasn't been that great either. And um, the, the only new thing you add is um, Mayfield, who's a possible starter. But you're looking at these other receivers. You had Zacchaeus, and you got uh, Gage and Blake. And I, I just don't see it. You know, adding Mike Davis probably as your starting running back with Quadri Olison, that's not going to get it done if you're the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, 29th in rushing efficiency last year, that's not going to improve. And by losing Julio and getting Kyle Pitts, I don't think your your passing efficiency is going to be any better either. Um, I mean, they were 54% passing in the first down. Or, yeah, 54% passing on first downs in the first half last season. And that's why they had leads going into the half. And then what did they do in the second half? Only 35% passing on first downs. And their rushing was awful. Why would you continue to rush the ball when your rushing is awful? I don't get it. I don't think the Falcons are going to have fi- have things figured out here, Meerkat. The Falcons are a team I couldn't quit betting on. And I thank God I did. And now I think I'm just going to be betting on them as well. But it's going to be fading the fuck out of them this year. Yeah, this was my favorite bet, like over under win total bet that we're doing today with these divisions. I'm doing under seven and a half wins for them. I have no faith in this team. The way it's built right now, they are gearing up for a rebuild. I think they are going to be maybe the worst team in the NFL this year, along with the Texans, if they don't get Watson. 
And they're both going to be going for the first overall pick. Both be looking at quarterback this year because Matt Ryan is getting old. They have some young pieces with Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts now who, you know, you can make franchise-type players to pair with a young quarterback. So I see them gearing up for a rebuild. They're just not that good. They only play seven actual home games of their 17 games this year, and they lost a lot, didn't add much. I'm all over this under. Yeah, um, I'm with you guys on the under as well. The Falcons are a team that I have officially retired as a gambler. They have (laughs) burned me so many times. I don't care if this win total was half a win. I'm still taking the under. I can't stand the Falcons. And their defense is absolutely terrible. 28th ranked front seven, 29th ranked secondary. There's really no, you know, good stars on the defense. And I expect regression from the offense. You can't really, you know, keep up the offensive explosiveness when you lose a guy like Julio Jones. Matt Ryan, I think it's going to, he's going to start to decline. I think we're going to get towards the end of his career. And I'm not a believer in Mike Davis as a number one running back. I really don't love anyone on this team if i have to take a prop i'm taking russell gage over 700 and a half receiving yards he had 786 last year and he only started eight of the games he was you know the number three option in the offense and i know kyle pitts is great i know he's you know going to be good going forward but i don't think he's going to get the amount of targets people think right away that gage will be the number two option in this offense and it's a pass first team with a bad defense that means they're going to be throwing a lot and they're going to be trailing a lot 700 and a half receiving yards is pretty easy to get in my opinion in a 17 game season i love that but anything else for the falcons no i'm not touching it (laughs) so i'm going with a receiver too for my prop i'm going to go kelvin ridley's under 13 50 and a half and i love kelvin ridley i've been talking about you know fantasy show uh, just beforehand, I think he's a great receiver, a very underrated guy in this league. But with no Julio on the perimeter with him and it being Russell Gage and not much else, Tajay Sharp, I guess, uh, he, he's going to be the focal point of every secondary coming into this season. And, you know, Ryan has to start regressing at some point. Before last year's massive breakout, you know, he never put up more than 1,000 yards, never more than 900 mm-hmm. in his first two seasons. So I think this number is kind of a trap at even money. It's some of my favorite value for a prop this season. Yep, absolutely. And I'm on Matt Ryan under passing touchdowns at 29 and a half. I don't think this team is going to be good. I think they're going to be very, very bad. And if you don't have a running game, your offense is super predictable. Teams are going to key in on it. He's going to throw a ton of interceptions and not a ton of touchdowns. And that's exactly what I want because I'm hammering that under and hammering that under seven and a half. I think they might be one of the worst teams in all of football, guys. I really really do i think they could be tanking for that first pick i wouldn't be surprised if matt ryan gets a little dink or a little bump and he ends up missing more than a couple weeks this is you know something that you think he'd be back quickly from and he's he's out for a few weeks i wouldn't be surprised i i think this falcons team is bad the defense just never came together the way they were trying to build it Deion jo- uh, jones has been hurt a lot um you're adding two new safeties um replacing your starters i it's going to be tough. And yeah, your cornerback position, you bring them back. Well, they were getting burnt to the, to the crisp last year. So good luck with that. Um, I, I think the Falcons are going to be bad. I think uh, the only the only person uh, who's going to be making any good hits out of the Mercedes-Benz Dome is going to be Kanye. And we're on to that next. We're on to the next one here, folks, with the Carolina Panthers. 
So the Panthers are an interesting team for me heading into this season. Their win total right now sitting at under seven and a half, and I think they could be a sneaky team. I love how they drafted this year. I think they hit on you know all their important picks. Getting J.C. Horn with that eighth pick up, it's scrutinized, but they needed cornerback help, and J.C. Horn, if healthy. You know, is going to be a huge talent for them back there to pair with Jeremy Chin with a young, talented secondary. Terrace Marshall added to a great receiver room already there. Tommy Trembell, a decent tight end to come in there. I liked him, uh, one of my favorite tight ends in the draft. And Chubba Hubbard, big value there to back up. You know, Christian McCaffrey, who that's the big news here coming back this season post-injury and they needed him last year they were struggling finishing five and eleven third in the nfc south but with him coming back this year and adding sam darnold via trade i think sam darnold in a new environment he finally has a competent coach in matt rule who is a qb friendly coach gets the most out of whoever he has under center he's got good receivers a good offensive line a, the best running back in the league who can be a safety blanket for you i can see sam darnold having a big bounce back season this year away from the Jets and in Carolina. Um, Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy, is the most explosive playmaker and consistent, you know, yard getter and touchdown scorer in the NFL. And you look at some of their key numbers there. Last year, they were one of the unluckiest teams via field goals in the NFL history. You see the numbers there. Uh, they the they were you know opponents were over three and a half over expected makes they hit at over a ninety five percent clip against the Panthers and then you go into the Panthers close games they went zero and three in field goal games three and eight in games that were less than eight points so they had a lot of close one score games last year and getting Christian McCaffrey back getting someone new competent under center but still even though you lose Curtis Samuel you're retaining your wide receiver core you add someone like. Hassan Reddick to shore up that front seven a little bit to go with their young secondary with a good coaching staff. I'm going over with Carolina this year. Absolutely love that, Meerkat. I think the Panthers are going to be much improved. And in, in a division where they should be able to pick up some wins. They were a very scrappy team last year, and I think they're going to continue to be a scrappy team. Matt Rule has continued to do that at every place he's coached, whether it was with the UB teams uh, going to the uh, – some Mac championships back in the day. And then when he went over to Baylor, the same thing, rebuilding that program in a very, very quick manner. So I think um, he's a very, very good coach and he's going to get the most out of this team. <clears throat> I'd like the over on that Meerkat. Stevie, what are you targeting? Meerkat kind of convinced me. I was on the fence for this and I wasn't, I don't believe in Sam Darnold. That's my biggest problem with this team. Cause outside of that, I do like the Panthers. I love Christian McCaffrey. I think him being healthy for the season is going to change that offense completely. I know running backs don't equate to wins, but McCaffrey is an exception because he can do anything on the football field. And I like the additions they made to an already decent defense. I don't believe in Sam Darnold, but he does have much more around him than he ever had with the Jets. I'm going to lean the over here. I don't love it, but I'll take the over seven and a half. And speaking of Darnold, he's reuniting with an old teammate, Robbie Anderson. I'm taking his over 81 and a half receptions. The Panthers last year used Robbie Anderson more than just a deep threat, which he was used his whole career in the Jets. He was, you know, that one big play guy. Other than that, not really too much involved in the offense. Panthers used him all over the field, all different types of routes. And yes, his yards per, you know, catch dropped by about four yards but he had 95 receptions. 
I think he could do it again. And if Darnold's coming into a new team, a new offense, who's he going to look for first? The guy he has already established chemistry with, I love over 81 and a half receptions. I believe it's minus 115 right now. I think that's free money. I like that, Stevie. What are you looking at, uh, Meerkat, as, as your top prop for the Panthers? So if Stevie's prop hits, I'm probably going to be sitting pretty. I'm going with Christian McCaffrey over 1,850 and a half rushing plus receiving yards this season. He, he's All reports are saying he's completely healthy. He looks better than ever in camp right now. I know that's the usual spiel, but Christian McCaffrey is kind of a superhuman guy, and I have faith in him to bounce back 100%. They let you know Mike Davis walk after a decent year for them last year. Would have been pretty cheap for the, to keep him. They drafted Chubba, but pretty late, and I don't see Chubba those being someone who's going to take away that many touches off the rip from McCaffrey. So he surpassed that number in both seasons before last year. And even last year in a limited sample size before his injury, he was averaging 124 combined yards a game, which over 17 games absolutely buries this prop. So I think, you know, he's still going to be just as relevant as the receivers ever, especially with Darnold and losing Curtis Samuel. I think it's even more uh, receptions for that out of the backfield type role receiver they like to use there absolutely love that there meerkat perfect 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 and now we're talking about the new orleans saints which is another team has a ton of questions at quarterback position a lot of turnover at quarterback position for all these teams what do we got here on this one so the Saints last year, division winners going 12-4, and four, but what happens? They lose Drew Brees, even though, you know, he's playing injured with all these broken ribs or whatever was wrong with him. I'm just going off the big cat report, but coming <laughs> into the season now, it's who's going to start at QB. All reports are looking like it's Jameis. I guess he's looked, you know, great in limited camp so far. They're letting him lead off, you know, talking to the media like he's the guy. He's practicing mostly with the first team. So I don't see Taysom Hill doing that. So going into the season with Jameis, um, I think, you know, that might be the biggest question mark for them, although I'm a fan. And then a team who didn't have a ton of draft capital, but I think they, you know, put their picks to the best values they could. Peyton Turner's a guy who can come in and start day one for them and, uh, behind, you know, a Cameron Jordan or Marcus Davenport. They have a good defensive line there, so they shored that up, kind of like the Bills strategy there. Pete Warner helping that, uh, sec- uh, that you know, linebacking core that highlighted by a guy like Demario Davis, Pulse mm-hmm. Devo to help their secondary. They made good moves there, even an insurance guy like Ian Book. But free agency, a little underwhelming for them. They, they had no money. Gonna, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. they just didn't They're have so money. Far they had, over. <laughs> they had too much invested in too many guys who they shouldn't have. So this is a team who they, they're in a win-now mode, even though they're not fully prepared for that. But still, if Elvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are healthy and contributing, they can absolutely carry this offense. And the defense has enough into it, you know, help this team win at least 10 games for me. So that's why I'm going with the over nine for them. I think they're a bit uh, undervalued. And you got to give Sean Payton the benefit of the doubt here. I like to highlight coaching going over team totals. That's why I hate the Jaguars because of Urban Meyer. Sean Payton's an incredible coach. He's got four straight 11-win seasons with Jameis under center. I think he's got enough in the tank to get them over. Yeah, and for me, when I'm looking at this team, look at how good they were defensively. Look at those defensive metrics. Mm-hmm. The Saints 
for so long we were like, yeah, they can score a hell of points, but are they going to you know be able to stop the other team? Now they can. So you're able to figure things out. Um, you know, if your defense can continue that, um, obviously you lost some names, but you mentioned uh, guys who are almost you know kind of direct replacements for them. Um, being able to lose Janoris Jenkins, but you get Paulson Adebo, who actually I think you know could be a good guy right away. He might not be the starter at that number two position, but could step into that role throughout the season. So um, <clears throat> I like what they did with their limited um, sort of tools to do so. And um, looking at that nine number, I think they're going to be right around it. Um, I think they're nine ten win team this year with Jameis Winston, unless he, unless that eye surgery like ends up being like the greatest eye surgery of all time, which it very well could. So that's why I'm saying, if you're twisting my arm, give me the over nine. Um, I'm going to ride with the over. I just, I love Camara. I love, you know, Sean Payton's a great coach and defensively they have things figured out. What do you think in on that, Steve? Yeah, I'm right at the nine. I think it's going to push. I'm not a huge Jameis Winston believer. I mean, he threw 30 interceptions in a season, and you can't have, you know, that many turnovers when Taysom Hill's right behind you, Sean Payton's little favorite. That was before the eye surgery, Steve. Come on. I know. I know. It's new eye Jameis, but I just. You see Jameis' offseason workouts? I mean, come on. The dude's ready to roll for anything. I I can't give him the benefit of the doubt yet. I'm going to lean the. Under just to be different than you guys. I think they're going to be right around that number. And I just, I don't love the weapons around Jameis. He had great weapons in Tampa and he still had a lot of turnovers. Michael Thomas may miss a few games. Yes, Alvin Kamara's an absolute monster, and that's where my prop's going to be. Mm-hmm. But the receiving core is a little lacking. Traquan Smith could be their number one receiver, you know, week one. That's why Alvin Kamara, they're going to rely on him. I'm taking his over rushing and receiving combined at 1,500 and a half yards. Three or four seasons, he was over 1,500, and that includes the seasons he was splitting time with Ingram where he didn't start. He had 80-plus receptions all four years of his career, and he averages 102.8 yards a game for his career. That comes out to over 1,750 yards for a 17-game season. Mm -hmm. If the Saints do want to hit that over, their offense runs through number 41. They're going to have to get him the ball 20 times a game, and that's probably more of a workload than he's ever seen before. So I think if the Saints are going to be competitive this year, that prop's going to smash. Absolutely. And speaking of Michael Thomas, make sure you guys uh, get over to the TWS fantasy page over on Twitter and check out that episode with Banged Up Bills, who breaks down that Michael Thomas injury pretty well and a whole bunch of other injuries and some guys maybe to avoid at the receiver position because of that. But Meerkat, what's your top prop for the Saints? I wanted to go with the Kamara prop, and I wanted Jameis props, but they don't have him right now, so we'll revisit that before the season starts in our last future shows. But I'm going with Demario Davis under 131.5 tackles, and I love Demario Davis. I've actually met him uh, with to an event he was hosting. Great guy and stuff, great story, just a great you know NFL player. But this number is a little high for me. I mean, he only went over this total once in his career, and that was in 2017. He went over it by three and a half. It's not that inspiring. He's actually been under it the past few seasons by a healthy amount, even though he's playing a ton of snaps. And he's just getting older. He's 33, I believe, heading into this season. They drafted Pete Werner, you know, put next to him, who's a tackle machine type guy. So uh, as much as I love him as a person, I'm fading to Mario Davis uh, uh, with 135 and a half tackles. Love that there, Meerkat. I love I love you going with the defensive props. 
you know, going a little off the board. And that's why you guys got to watch or make sure you're watching all these episodes of Free Money Football. They'll all be out there. We're going to be going weekly throughout the preseason to get you all of these props for each of the divisions. And then we're going to be focusing on some playoff and divisional winning props at the very end there, right before the season starts. And now we got to talk about some dynamic duos. Got Tom Brady and winning rings. Gronk and Spike in the ball. And I got George Springer hitting leadoff dingers. Got the notification. But, Stevie, let's go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions. So what else is there to say about Tom Brady at this point, right? Everyone's like, oh, he can't win a ring without Belichick. He does it the first year he's in Tampa, takes a team that's kind of underachieved the past five seasons, and he turns them into Super Bowl champs. And you know what? Brady may not be – the offense may not be the best part of this team. Their defense is elite. If you look at their additions, they didn't really add any big splashes. You got Joseph Jones. You got Gio Bernard to join, you know, three, four other running backs in that room. Kyle Trask, who may be the guy if, you know, Brady gets hurt or later down, three years down the road. Joe Tyron could help an already dominant pass rush, but they didn't need to add anyone. That's the key. They have by far the best front seven in football, and you can't change my mind. You got Nadama Kinsu, you got Vita Vey, Jason Pierre-Paul, and William Golston, and then three incredibly like athletic linebackers, edge rushers, whatever you want to call them, Devin White, Shaquille Barrett, and Levante David. That front seven is dominant. You don't need a good offense to have a good team with that front seven, and they have the greatest quarterback of all time on the offensive side of the ball but here's the thing with the Buccaneers they were very lucky last year in terms of health they didn't have any key injuries and that kind of helped you know propel them to a Super Bowl one when you have a team as talented as that and you don't lose a lot of guys to injury that's a big key to me Brady's 44 which is incredible that we're saying that Meerkat that we're talking about a 44 year old quarterback who last year threw 40 touchdowns second most in his career 4,600 yards, and he's got the same receiving quarterback. He's got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. He's got Gronkowski. You know, you got Fournette, Ronald Jones in the backfield. Now you got another pass-catching running back with Gio Bernard. They're going to be dominant on both sides of the ball. It's hard to say that the Bucks are going to go over or under despite the win total being so high at 12. But you got to look at health here. And I don't want to root for injuries, but – I've seen this story before. I think their luck could run out, and they could have a couple major injuries this season. They didn't have anything last year. You look at the health last year. I mean, offense was number one. Defense was number two. No one got hurt, and they were 32nd, dead last last year in Football Outsiders' consistency rating. Dead last. And for a Super Bowl team to be dead last, you have to think luck's going to turn the other way. But at the end of the day, this is one of the best defenses. I think the best defense in the National Football League with the best quarterback of all time. Will he regress at age 44? We'll see. I'm no longer putting any money on Brady regressing until he actually does it. I won't bet against him. But I'm going to take the under 12 here. I think the Buccaneers are that team we saw last year. They just had a couple games where they came out flat. It looked like they didn't care too much. And they turned it on the playoffs. They looked like a completely different team than they did some weeks in the regular season. That's how I think the Bucs are going to play it this year. I think they can win the division with 11 wins. I think they can win the division when they push it 12 wins. I'm going to take the under. Just 12 seems like a very high number. And if you have one big injury, imagine Brady gets hurt and Trask comes into that team. What's the total at there, right? Eight and a half, nine. 
That's why I'm taking mm-hmm. the under. But I do like the Bucks to win the division. I think they are one of the best teams in football. Just I don't think they'll get to 13. Yeah, so that was tough for me. Is 13 such a big number? I mean, their Super Bowl run is kind of being overvalued. They were a few plays, lucky plays away um, from not even being in the Super Bowl. Right. But still, they won the Super Bowl. Their roster on both sides of the ball is undeniably extremely talented, and they essentially kept it all. So, yeah, the Brady regression is coming at some point, but it doesn't look like it is soon because last year he started out rocky and people were really down on him. And then he settled into that Bruce Arians offense, which, you know, it takes a bit to get used to. And, you know, you know, smart as Brady is and around footballs, he's been in Belichick's offense for his entire life. So adjusting to a complicated offense like that took time, but he did. He led them to the Super Bowl, albeit any of the circumstances, and won it for them. So I'm not betting against him to regress just yet, especially with that wide receiver core there. And they're heading into this season with the fifth easiest schedule. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't really seem that fair. Uh, it's one of the only games this season that I have the Bills losing. Uh, but 13 is a big number, and I just think I'm not betting against Tom Brady ever again in my life like I did last year. <laughs> I'm going with that over 12 there. And then I, I got a prop I actually really like for this, but I'm going to let you go first. All right, so my prop, I'm taking Mike Evans over nine receiving touchdowns. Mike Evans, when he's used, he's used primarily in the red zone. He's not a high, you know, target volume reception receiver, but he's been the number one option in the red zone since he's been in the league in Tampa Bay. He had 22 red zone targets last year. He had 13 TDs last year on only 70 receptions. And the year before, when Brady wasn't even the quarterback, he had eight TDs in 13 games on just 67 receptions. His TD rate is insane, and everyone's like, oh, that's ins- unsustainable. Well, with Mike Evans, he's sustained it his entire career. He's that six foot five, you know, 230, 240 big body receiver that Brady looks to in the red zone, and he also can be a big play threat. We've seen Mike Evans take, you know, 50-yard touchdowns. He's a big play waiting to happen. He's not a guy who's going to get 100 catches in a year, but he's going to get the important ones. I think over nine touchdowns in a 17-game season, when you have Brady throwing you the ball, I love it. It's at minus 120. That's my prop. I like it. I like it. I'm going with another over for a different receiver, though. This one, it disgusts me to take it. I hate taking this, but I'm going with Antonio Brown over 700.5 receiving yards. I mean, his role in this offense is going to be pretty prevalent, I think. He's best friends with Tom Brady. He was out living with Tom Brady for a minute. It's like Tom Brady suckled him at the guy or let him suckle at his teeth and like rehab them himself uh, when he came to Tampa Bay. Yeah. So I like his role in this offense and his relationship with Brady. They just click, I guess, in camp so far. They had, there's reports that they, he's been the most active receiver with Brady, um, Brady's most active target through camp so far. And, you know, other than his last two seasons, which have been fucked up for him, whether it was mental health stuff, his own doing injuries, whatever was going on, um, he crushed this number every year but those two last years and his rookie season for eight straight years. 
Um, so I like him last year, you know, playing eight games, going four starts. He had 483 yards with 62 targets, which is crazy. Um, I think he crushes this number this year, and his role in the offense is already chipped out, even with Godwin and Evans probably ahead of him on the depth chart. So he stays out of trouble. I think we're good there. But it, it was kind of a, a weird one today with yeah. the props because some of these divisions, so much going on, like the Colts and Texans, where we don't have props for those yet. So that's why we are going through these, you know, north and south, cardinal direction by cardinal direction every week for the next two weeks now. Um, then we are leaving ourselves two weeks to go over, you know, things like Super Bowl winners, MVP winners, all those props and updated props when we yeah. know who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Colts and the Texans and teams like that. And we have a whole nother bounty of props to go from. But I hope you guys all enjoyed the show today. Last week on the, you know, impromptuly, I picked our next division. So, Stevie, I'm going to let you pick right now. Are we going over the West or the North next week? Well, let's uh, let's save the West for last. Let's go with the AFC North AF, or NFC North tomorrow. I actually – there's a lot of teams in both those divisions I really like mm-hmm. coming into this season. So, I think that will be fun to talk about. Kind of the opposite of this year, the South divisions. Did not care for them at all. There's no. a few teams I think that can make noise, obviously outside of the defending Super Bowl champs. Next week, the North, a lot of teams that mm-hmm. could be very sneakily good going forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Good pick there, Stevie. So you folks heard the man. We are going over the AFC and NFC North next Wednesday here, live from Trainwreck Sports at 6.30. But for now, Meerkat, Stevie, Typey, who had to leave on us. Thank you for joining and good night.